Uh, good morning. Um, <clears throat> my name is Matt Wadarzik. I'm part of the preaching team here. And just to let you know how I feel right now, my heart rate is normally at 60. And I checked my Fitbit, and it's up there about 90. So that's what happens when you get up here. People ask me why I do this, and I, I sometimes wonder myself. Um, uh, and I think I've said this before, I'm an introvert by nature. So for me to be up here is really different and uh, really strange at times. But I, I, I like this place because you all smile at me. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, today we're going to be moving farther on in our series about Jesus being greater than we've had Samuel, we've had Melchizedek, a bunch of different people. Today it's going to be Jesus greater than David. Um, and as you think about that, you go, well, yeah, we know that. Just pray, let's get to the potluck, let's move on, right? <laughs> but we're going to talk about a couple different things today. Um, first, we'll talk about David. Now, David is one of Israel's greatest kings, if not the greatest. And the Jewish folks had an almost Messiah-like reverence for this guy. I mean, he was great. You know, he combined the kingdom, he took over territory that they were supposed to take over a little bit more. Um, and from some of his accomplishments, he was a great guy. But there are some other things that people don't like to talk about, which I'll mention here a little later. Uh, the second is, um, we're going to talk about Jesus, who is really, as we know now, is the king of the universe, king of everything. But his Jewish brethren sort of rejected him, or they did reject him outright. So you have this gentleman named David that they had a Messiah-like reverence for, and then they had Jesus, who they rejected, and they didn't really know who he was. They, they couldn't tell, although they had a lot of information. Second thing is, and this is sort of a parallel track that goes along with this, is um, I'm going to talk about authority that kings and other people have, that they possess. And I want to show how our sort of preconceived ideas about authority causes us to obey them or not. You ever thought about that? We may like this guy, so we will listen to that guy. Or we don't like that guy, and guess what? We don't listen to that guy. But to start with, <laughs> I want you to imagine that America is not a democracy. That it is a kingdom. Now, how does that feel? How does it feel that you would have to, whenever you saw the king, that you would have to sort of bow or do some kind of reverence kind of thing? Uh, Cindy and I have been watching Victoria on PBS, and we, I'm surprised at how much authority Victoria had and how people always bow when they're around her and they give her reverence and reference or things like that. But I don't think a king would go very well in our society. I don't think so. I think we are all independent-minded. We all have our rights. We all have a lot of things that we think are rightfully ours. You know, we have Second Amendment kind of things. We have all sorts of constitutional things. And we have the separation of powers. But with a kingdom, you don't. You have one person that has ultimate, ultimate authority. So... We can't conceive of somebody being in total control. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but biblically, democracy is not there. 
It is not there. It's all kingdoms. So, hmm, there is some basis for these, this kingdom kind of stuff, for these authorities. But uh, putting the kingdoms aside, have you ever noticed that you are running into authority no matter where you go? No matter where you go, you run into it. You don't even see it. It's rather subtle. But I think I need to define what authority is. Uh, this is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Now, how many of you have enforced obedience on your three-year-old child that will not stay in bed? How's that work? I don't know how many glasses of water we had to give our son. We finally told him that the only reason he could come out of his room was um, blood, Bulgarians, and broken bones. <laughs> it had a B. <laughs> So that's how we would enforce it. Um, but you know, I know that there are plenty of people you run into that would gladly tell you what to do. And as I say that, you, somebody's picture probably came into your brain of somebody who likes to tell you what to do. You know, I've told people before, if they would follow my directions, they would have a great life. <laughs> so far, nobody has taken me up on that offer. And, you know, we can get into situations, too, where there's, some, there, there's something going on and then somebody starts to take control and we don't like that person. And guess what we say to them? Who died and made you king? Ooh, interesting. So, there's another verse. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about authority. Now, I'm gonna, this is going to be a fun one. Listen to this. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. Listen to that. All authority. So, you could ask yourself, does this mean the lunch lady in the cafeteria? The police officer, the bad teacher. Can it mean inanimate objects? Have you ever noticed there's lines in the road? Ooh. How about credit card scanners? Those are the ones that drive me crazy. Because what do they say when they're beeping at you? What are they saying? Put in the card. <laughs> and if it's loud enough, people look at you and you get stressed. Right? Because <laughs> you're not putting the card in. But you're obeying this box. And then at the end, if it all goes well and you have self-esteem issues, it says, approved. <laughs> and you go home feeling well, good, <laughs> right? You've been approved for the day. We're dealing with this box. Stop signs. You stop, right? You're obeying an octagonal red thing with four letters on it. Hmm, authority. I don't know if you know it, but today, for some of you when you walked in, you ran into authority, right? We have ushers. Where's Karen? She's all the way in the back. Okay, now here's the deal. I've been coming here for about four or five years, and I've watched Karen sit people down, and they follow her. 
But here's the thing. I have never, ever seen her get aggressive, put somebody in a headlock, and body slam them into the pew. Okay? Karen's not that kind of person. But yet, people come through the door, and you can watch this. I'm always watching. They will come in and step about five feet through one of these doors, and they will stop. And they'll look around for friends. They'll look for a place to sit. They'll do whatever, and Karen comes along and saves them. Says, follow me. And what do they do? They follow her. See, but what's in it for them by following her? What do they want? They want a place to sit. Now, what even gets more interesting is sometimes they will stop her halfway and say, hey, do you mind if I go sit over there? And she goes, no, great. See, why did they have to ask permission? (laughs) Authority? that we don't see. But you see, they want a place to sit. And if you think about it, the worst thing that she could ever do to you is put you behind one of these poles, right? That's the worst. Ah. But then, there's authority that I will call ongoing. Now, at some point or another, and sometime in the future, all of you will work outside the home. All of you will have what's called a boss. Now, as I say that, some of you go, oh, I love my boss, greatest boss in the world, blah, 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 blah. And others of you are thinking things that you don't say out loud in church about your boss, right? (laughs) I mean, that's what it is. So, we can get into situations with our boss to where we feel like they are being totally unfair, totally wrong, totally just bad. And you go, wait a minute, this is the wrong kind of authority. Let me tell you a story. I worked for a major corporation... (laughs) back in the 90s, and I was there for 10 years, and in the eighth year, I had an employee that didn't want to work. It was hard enough getting the person to come to work, and so I used my, what I found out was bad management skills, to get this person to come to work. Well, it was a struggle. And then at the beginning of the ninth year, I ended up being the bad guy. I was the problem. And so the corporation decided to fix me. So what did that mean? Well, I had a full year of 360 reviews, 180 reviews, peer reviews, up reviews, down reviews, department reviews, and everything was bad. Everything. Up to that point, I'd never had a bad review. So I'm being pounded on by this company and people say, why didn't you leave? And I'm going, I had no place to go. And I don't know what was going on, but I stayed. Well, I get into about the 10th month of this whole ordeal. And oh, by the way, in the 12th month, they sent us to what they called charm school, <laughs> which was leadership development, but you, you get the picture. But here I am, I am struggling with this. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do on the outside. But on the inside, I am fighting. I want my day in court. I want to sit in front of the people. I want to sit in front of a judge and say, this is wrong, and here's why. And the judge will go, yes, you are right, and they're all wrong, and get my name cleared. But here's what happened. I'm reading my Bible one night, which you should do. And this is where Jesus is in front of, is in front of Pilate. And Pilate says... Pilate said, don't you realize I have power 
either to free you or to crucify you. Ooh. And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you. And I went, oh. Oh. This terrible, horrible corporation was trying to fix me, and they were doing it all wrong in my mind, and God says, hey, Matt, they have no power over you except what I've granted. And at that point, I quit fighting internally because I realized God's got something better and bigger for me. Now, I can say I would never wish what happened to me on anybody. I wouldn't. It was the worst year of my career ever, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because of what I learned out of it. So, see, what I wanted out of it, I wanted my name cleared. That's why I was going along initially. I wanted my name cleared. God had something totally different. So then you work your way into kings. Kings have ultimate authority. They can kill you on a whim. They have that much power. Our Western mindset has trouble with these kings, with a king. But so did our Jewish brethren. See, initially, God was their king. He led them out of Egypt. He protected them. The trouble they got into was their own. He got them out of it. And then one day they go, you know, we really want to have a king to lead us into battle, somebody we could see, somebody that could take us there. Now, that sounds funny to us. Like, why would you trade God for a king, a guy? Who knows? So God gave him their first king, Saul, who turned into a train wreck. Then, David, who ended up being, really, the greatest king ever. And he somewhat set the standard for what kings are supposed to be, and even the future Messiah. And their scriptures talked about this future Messiah would come from the line of David. So they just connected the dots. Okay, you got line of David, that means he's going to be like David. Cool. Our Messiah is going to be a David kind of guy, a super uber kind of David. And they, in their mind, they knew that if it was David, like David, and that means David would be in power, which means that the Jewish people would be in power, and guess what's in it for them? Ah, we're with David. And this got cemented into their brain. And now, I, I had to look and see, well, what, what is the mindset now for the Jewish people and the Messiah? And this is from, this is interesting, this Judaism 101 website. Glad, 101. That's, my, that's where I would start. It says, this is, what, this is what they believe. The future Messiah will be a great political leader descended from King David. He will be well-versed in Jewish law and observant of its commandments. He will be a charismatic leader, inspiring others to follow his example. He will be a great military leader who will win battles for Israel. Ooh, there it is. 
He will be a great judge who makes righteous decisions. But above all, he will be a human being, not a god, demigod, or other supernatural being. So you can sort of see why they want David, the clone of David, to be in ultimate authority. Because they'd be on the top of the heap again. They'd be with the winner. So, I have a photo of what they had in their mind of David. Now, let's say this is his political advertisement. Follow me. I'm a winner. Sound familiar? This right here is the David which is at the Academia Gallery in Florence, Italy. If you ever get a chance to go, it is beautiful. And it's in its own building. They, they used to have it outside. They moved it in to protect it. And you can't take pictures there. When we were there, somebody did, and they came and took their phone away and deleted the photo. I mean, this is really beautiful. And there's two others like this. One is in a, one of the squares, and it's made out of marble, and there's one up on the side of the hill, which is made out of bronze. They're just beautiful. If you ever get a chance to go, go. See, but this is what they probably saw. And that pretty cool-looking guy, right? Charismatic, buff, you know, something I'll never be. <laughs> I'm a little rough, but that's okay. Um, so this is what they're seeing. But the scriptures that I talked about before, it mentioned that David would be, the, the, the Messiah would be this powerful guy, blah, blah, blah. But it also mentioned something else that they couldn't get their hands around. They couldn't reconcile within their brain. This speaks directly about the Messiah, this passage I'm going to read for you. But it also is prophetic of Jesus. And they couldn't put it together. Even after the cross, they couldn't put it together. Now listen, this is Isaiah 53. Starting in verse 1, it says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is not that picture. I have another one to show you what this Messiah looked like to the Israelites. Hmm. Now, if this was a slogan for running for office, look at that. Yeah, put the next one up. Now, if you knew nothing about these people and you got your little political packet that you get every time there's little magazine that says these are all the people. I'm going to test your bias here. If you knew nothing about these two and this is all they had, who would you choose? Hmm. See it? 
You're going to go with the winner. You're going to do that. Because we don't understand enough about the other guy there. We're going to follow the shiny things, get distracted by squirrels, things like that. Squirrel. So David was a king, but Jesus was a far greater king in many aspects. So what we have here is we have this preconceived idea of Jewish folks going up against who Jesus really was. And they couldn't see it, wouldn't see it, didn't want to see it, can't see it, whatever reason. They didn't get it. And they didn't have anybody putting this nice little capsule together about three things why Jesus is greater than David. So the first was the anointing. They were both anointed by God. They were. But David's was to rule only. He basically could only rule the physical side of this world. He could rule Jerusalem, whatever he could conquer. He could rule the people there. But it was on the physical side. He couldn't do anything else. But then Jesus was anointed by the Spirit to preach, to free the oppressed, to heal, and to proclaim the gospel. See, now, David never healed anybody. He had tons of power, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So she, just their anointing, very similar, anointed by God, but one got a ton more than the other. But you see, Israelites couldn't figure this out just yet. Okay, and then the second is power. Uh, you notice I put David abused his power for lust. Okay, there's a story. Most people know the story about David and Bathsheba. But as this passage starts out, it says that uh, in the spring when the kings normally go off to war, David stayed home, which means he should have been somewhere else. But while he was home in the evening one night, he was walking around the top of his palace or house, whatever, and he looked down and he saw this beautiful woman taking a bath. And he said, told his guys, bring me this woman. And they said, well, you know, she's married. And he said, bring her. So and it just capsulizes from the roof, he saw a beautiful woman. He sent for her, he slept with her, she conceived now, there's a whole bunch more to this story, but just think about this. This is the Me Too issue from 2,500 years ago. This guy had total power, and nobody could stop him. Which is a good thing for guys that are in leadership, that have some kind of power. You always want to have some, somebody there as a counterbalance to say, hey, there's a problem here. Or no, you can't do that. But so he abused his power. Now look at this. Jesus put his power aside for our salvation. And I love this verse. It says, while being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. It's like, I'm not letting go of who I am. I'm God. But made himself nothing. Taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. 
you imagine that? Can you imagine owning the restaurant to going back to being the dishwasher? There's something here. He put aside his power for us. That's huge. So what does that tell us about how valuable we are to him? That's huge. That's huge. So you have David who abuses power. Jesus puts his power aside. Who do you want to follow? Really? And then the third is conquests. You know, David conquered the enemies of Israel. Basically, this passage says that the Lord gave David victory everywhere he went. Notice it's physical. He took over another country. He made, he made somebody subservient. He made his country safe. It's all physical. But there's one thing he couldn't do is deliver us from what our biggest problem was. See, Jesus conquered sin and death for all. See that? David couldn't do it. He's impossible. So this passage says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. David couldn't do it. Jesus could. Jesus did. Hmm. Okay. This is all good information. It's all, you know, what do we do? You know, how, how does this all work? How do we apply all this? I want to tell you something. We are here today now. And for those of you who are believers, who accepted Christ as their personal Savior, who have repented of their sins, who look to Him for a bright hope and a future, I'm sorry to say that there is another kingdom that we're floating around in. And it's not just Jesus' kingdom. It's not ours. It's not his. But it's ours. And I want to call this the kingdom of self. We like things to go our way. Now, for some of you, you go, ouch, I know what you're saying. But for others of you, I know that sometimes we need a great visual depiction of what this king looks like. And Ah. What's his slogan? Oh, there it is. You can have it your way. Isn't that cool? Now, I'm, I, this is not a referendum on Burger King. I like the hamburgers, okay? I like McDonald's hamburgers. I like Wendy's. <laughs> I never met a burger I didn't like, okay? <laughs> All right? Except for veggie burgers. <laughs> and I won't put those on my barbecue. Okay. <laughs> so, see, this is the king we sort of play around with because we want it our way. But it gets even better. I don't know if you knew this, but in May of 2014, this is a press release from Burger King. It says, Burger King changed their slogan to Be Your Way. 
It's intended to remind people that they can and should live how they want anytime. It's okay not to be perfect. Self-expression is most important. So it's no longer, you can have it your way, you can be your way. But then you go, well, where does, where does Jesus fall into this equation? As Christians, are we supposed to have it our way? So, again, if these two were out there and they had their photos in the political thing, we'd have these, there's a question we end up with. Who are you going to follow? Right? Who are you going to follow? You want it your way? Or where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, is our preconceived idea of Jesus, of how he's supposed to be, getting in the way of how we can have life and have it to the full? Ugh. It's a tough question. So which one is it? Which one do you want? I'll leave that up to you. I'm not going to name out any sins or anything because you'll go home and go, I don't have that problem. But all of us fall into this trap where we think Jesus should be one way and he's not. And if he's not that way, we're not going to obey. But if you want life and have it to the full, don't you think you should listen to the, the person that put aside his power so that he could die for our salvation, which means we are of so much value, and yet we sort of think it's okay for us to have it our way. And I know some of you here are struggling with something hard, and I know this is probably hard to hear. But sometimes you've got to let your way go. Really, you should all the time let it go when it comes to Jesus. So let me stop there. Let's pray. Father, your word is, uh, is good. Um, it is hard sometimes. Uh, but Lord, <clears throat> you only want what's good for us, what's best for us. You want us to have life. You want us to have it to the full. Um, and that means we've got to get rid of trying to do things our way. I pray that you'll help us, guide us, show us where we need to go. In Jesus' name, amen.